0: Lord, we thank you that, that it is your desire to reveal yourself to us, that it's not hidden in deep mysteries, that, that it's plainly given to us in your word. And when we, when we diligently seek you, it's your desire to reveal that to us. And so, Lord, that's why we're here tonight. We're here to worship you. We're here to sing your praises. We're here to fellowship together, but, Lord, the main reason we are here is to hear from you, to know what you would have for us. So, Lord, we surrender to that work right now. Have your way here tonight. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Please take out your Bibles with me, Open them up to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 6, right? I'll know when I open my Bible here in a second. I think that's right. All right, chapter 6, Joshua. As we've been studying the last few weeks, children of Israel have crossed the Jordan River into the promised land. Last week, as we finished our, our study in verse, or chapter 5, we saw that Joshua has an, has an encounter with the, with the Lord himself, and in that encounter, uh, the Lord reveals to him that, that he is, that God is the commander of the heavenly hosts, the, the heavenly armies. And, and in that, we saw and we discussed how, how that must have, must have blessed Joshua to know that Though the mantle had been passed from Moses to him, the mantle hadn't been passed from God to him. God's still in charge. God is still in control, and he would go ahead and fight. Now, part, part of me in my flesh, I think of this, and I think, okay, after all that they have been through, right, after all that the children of Israel have gone through and all of these things, and they get cro- across the Jordan River and, and all of this stuff, there should be some time to just kind of kick back and relax, right? Just kind of take it easy. And, and that's what our flesh desires at times. Lord, I don't want to deal with any battles. I don't want to be going, going into some deep, deep things right now. I just, I want some time to relax. Well, we see right away, as we're going to get into tonight, the very first thing that they face is this huge, fortified city, Jericho. <laughs> we're going to see when we get ahead, next, the next chapter, if we get to chapter 7 tonight, the next city that they get to is a, is a little town. It's so little that it's got a really short name, Ai. That, that's It's this tiny little town. Why not start there? God... Let, let's, let's start with some little things, let's, get, let's go, but you know what, God doesn't always work that way. God doesn't always uh, give us a whole lot of, of, of preparation work and, and working our way up to the big things. Sometimes the big things just come. Sometimes God puts us, puts us right in a situation and gives us a choice in obedience to step out in a big way. We saw that with, with Peter, right? He's in the, he's in the, uh, Jesus walking on the water, and Peter said, Lord, if that's you, command me to come to you on on the water, and Jesus said, come, and, you know, I got to think, initially, he was thinking, oh, well, what did I just say? You know, hey, 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 Jesus, you know, that's a great idea. I really want to do that. I tell you what, tomorrow, let's, when we get back to shore, let's practice on some puddles first. You know, I'll, I'll, walk on a, I'll walk on a couple of puddles first. But no, Jesus tells Peter to come, not on a puddle, but out in the middle of the lake in the middle of a storm. And a lot of times we focus in that story on Peter's failure that after he, he starts walking on the water, he takes his eyes off of Jesus. And there's a great lesson in that. But it, to me, the great lesson to begin with is the fact that he had the faith to step out of the boat without practice, without preparation, just simply because the Lord said so. And here we see the first challenge that the that the the Lord puts in front of the children of Israel and Joshua as their leader is this huge fortified city, Jericho. Well, Let's take a look here chapter 6, beginning verse 1. Now Jericho was tightly shut because of the sons of Israel. No one went out or and no one came in. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and its valiant warriors. We see... Right off, that that the, children, the 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 people that are inside the 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 inhabitants of Jericho, we know from back in chapter two that that they're all scared. All of them have have fear of the children of Israel, and now that they've seen the water get backed up, they've seen them come across the the, the Jordan River. Now their fear is even totally amped up. It says they've totally closed off the walls. Nobody's getting in. Nobody's getting out. And. And I I, I look at this and I say, okay, we understand that because we've been told that. But then we see that what God says to Joshua, and I love this, it says, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. (laughs) See, all I can see is a city that's totally shut up, a city that I can't see. The walls are high, the gates are closed. See, (laughs) you've given them to me. But God is calling Joshua to do what he calls us all to do, to see with the eyes of faith. To see with the eyes that, that claim the promises that God, that God has, that God has said. You know, it, it, what, God, what God sees is what is, not what we see. We can so easily see, to, to hold things up and say, all right, God, are you seeing the same thing I am? And the answer is, no. (laughs) No, he's not. Look at, well, you don't have to turn there. You probably know it anyway. Romans, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God who are called according to his purposes. Right, we can stop right there and say, God, do you see what I see? The situation that I'm in? The disease, the relationship, the job, the all of this. Do you see what I see, God? And God says, no. I see way past that. I see the work that I'm doing in you. I see, I see the things that I'm preparing you for down the road. But it doesn't stop there. He goes on, verse 29, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of the Son of, of His Son so that he would be the firstborn among the many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, I I reference this a lot because to me, this is powerful. Do you see what I see, God? No. God sees me in glory already. If you are a born-again believer, if you have been justified, it says you have been glorified, past tense. We don't see that yet, but that's how God sees you. If we look back, Exodus chapter six, when God is speaking at the very beginning after bringing them out, speaking here, he says, Exodus 6, six, therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you up out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgment. Then I will take you for my people and I will, bring you, I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you to the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. The Lord speaking to Moses before any of that happened, and I know as I read this, he, he said, I will, I will, I will, but in the original Hebrew, all of those are past tense. Basically, he said, I've already done it. I've already done it. I've already done it before it happened. And here we see the fulfillment of that last thing he was saying. I will bring you in here. So my point again is, is this. Is God is saying to Joshua, see, I've delivered them to you right here. The, the, we need to look with the eyes of faith. We need to look with the eyes that God, claim God's promises. I think it was... I think you Marine guys can correct me afterwards. I think it was Chesty Polar who said, um, and I didn't look this up beforehand, so I'm gonna, I'm going to paraphrase. But he said to his troops one time, he said, the enemy is to the north of us, the enemy is to the south of us, the enemy is to the east of us, the enemy is to the west of us, the enemy has us completely surrounded. There is no way they're getting away from us now. How are we looking at this? Are we fighting from a position of victory? I mean, I could look at this now, and the reason it just kind of popped into my head, God's saying, they're right here. There's no way they're getting out. They got the gates closed. They're right here. There's no way. Well, verse 3, you shall march around the city, all men of war, circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall, be when, it shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, so the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up, every man straight ahead. So Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, let seven priests carry seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the the Lord. Then he said to the people, go forward and march around the city and let the armed men go on before the Ark of the Lord. And it was so. And when Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord went before and blew the trumpets and the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets, and the the rear guard came after the ark while they continued to blow the trumpets. But Joshua commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout, nor let your voice be heard, nor let a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I tell you, Shout, then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the Lord taken around the city, circling it once. Then they came back into the camp and spent the night in camp. Here we see about the most unlikely battle plan ever devised. As a matter of fact, it's so unique, it was never used before, and it's never been used again since. (laughs) But this was God's plan. It didn't make any earthly sense. It didn't make any military sense to slowly walk around the city once a day for, for six days, and then on the seventh day, March around it seven times and blow the, blow the trumpets. Be quiet until the, the seventh day, but then let out a shout and all the walls are going to come down again. I just, in my flesh, doesn't record this for us. So Joshua has is obviously looking with the eyes that God gave him. But in my flesh, I'm going, there, there's got to be some steps in there I missed. Because there's got be, to be somewhere where we have a battering ram that we're using. There's got to be somewhere where we have ladders to scale the walls. There's got to be something in there. But there's, there's, there's no mention of that. As a matter of fact, the, the weapon that is used is faith. It's faith. We see the faith of Joshua first in the faith that says, all right, Lord, I believe you. I believe this strategy. But let me say that, that a lot of us have that faith. I take God's word for what it says. I believe it. But Joshua's faith goes a huge step further to the point where he shared it with others. He believed it so much, he took this story, this battle plan to the priests, and then he took it to the people. And and. I guess my question and where I'm challenged often in my faith is, do I believe it enough to where I'm going to go expose myself to ridicule? Again, between he and God, you know, again, I could probably say, you know, Joshua, hearing this and coming from the voice of God, you could probably say, all right, God, whatever you say. But a couple hours later, when you're about ready to tell somebody else, you've got to be thinking, I better go double check. <laughs> faith. But I also see in this, not just the faith of Joshua, but the faith of the people, the faith of the priests, the faith of of the people that are following and being obedient. One, they believed God, but they didn't hear from God. They believed in God, but they also believed in the calling that was placed on, on Joshua. And because they didn't hear from God, they were following this godly man. And that takes faith, great faith. Why, again, I, I think of this, and I, I think through this, this doesn't make any sense, this battle plan. But you know what? It makes perfect sense. Why does it make perfect sense? Because it's God's plan. We, when, whenever we, whenever we, we come across those things that, and we're reading in God's Word, and we're thinking, man, that, that I, I struggle with that. We, we need to again just accept that in faith. It's a perfect plan because it's God's plan. I, there's, there's oftentimes where, where His, His commands seem impossible. Does, has anybody ever come across that before, where you feel that God's command to you. Whether specifically out of his word or something that he's laid on your heart, seems impossible. Never forget one of my Warren Wearsby, a little quote that he had one time. I, I just love it. God's commands are God's enablements. When God commands you to do something impossible, it immediately becomes possible. First, or John chapter 5. When, when, the, the man's by the pool, and, he's, and he can't get to the pool fast enough. When, when the waters are stirred, he's, he's lame. He's been there for like that for, I think it's 38 years or something. And, and Jesus comes up, and he says, why are you troubled? And he explains the situation to him. And Jesus said, do you want to get well? And he said, yes. He said, and Jesus said this command, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Again, my my first reaction is this guy, that's impossible. If if it was that simple, I'd have done that 38 years ago. But it's God's command. And it says afterward, I love that, immediately, he stood up and walked. (laughs) Wow. God's commands are his enablements. But let me raise the bar. A couple of chapters later woman caught in adultery? As after all of her accusers left, what was the command God gave her? Go and sin no more. I can't do that. Well, just because I haven't successfully to this point doesn't mean I can't. If that's a command of his to me, he enables me to do that. in this plan in in Chapter Six, and in with every god every one of God's plans, there is absolutely zero chance of failure unless we are disobedient. There was no chance they'd lose this battle unless they were disobedient unless they said that plan doesn't make any sense I'm going to do it my way, and we're going to see that, Lord willing, if we get to the next chapter. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 10 verses 3 and 4 it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. If we war in the flesh, we lose. But we're not supposed to. And if we don't, if we it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses, for the tearing down of strongholds. Fortresses and strongholds in our life, no matter how big they are, whether that's whether it's an addiction whether it's sin, no matter how big that fortress is, God's commands are his enablements. There's, there, 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 through, the, through faith and through obedience, walking in obedience, those strongholds are torn down. If, if, if you do struggle with an addiction, or you know of someone who does, we have a great program here, meets on Friday nights. It's called One Step because there is just one step. It's it, it's faith and obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. And and there's a great ministry meets here every Friday night. If you struggle with or you know someone who struggles with, grab some information about One Step after after the service tonight and give that to whoever needs it. Or you come Friday nights. Oh, well, verse twelve. Now Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests, carrying the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the the ark of the Lord, went on continually and blew the trumpets, and the armed men went before them, and the rear guard came up after the ark of the Lord while they continued to blow the trumpets. Thus the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did so for six days. So here we see immediately obedience to this command, this first day. They march around the city. It was roughly, again, estimating based on what they've excavated. The the old Jericho at this time was probably eight, nine acres. Probably took anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes to walk completely around it. We see that the armed men go first. then, Then the priests carrying the ark, and the rest of them are carrying trumpets or ram's horns or shofars. Now, I asked Caleb to demonstrate for us, to show us what a shofar, in case you don't know, what a shofar looks like and what it sounds like as to what they would be hearing. That's a, that's a shofar that was a gift to me, and I don't know how to, how to blow one. So Caleb is going to demonstrate for us. That's cool. <laughs> Thank you. You, you want to go fight, don't you? I mean, that... <laughs> and I think it's cool that a guy named Caleb. Now, all, I, I know one of you is already thinking, well, Caleb wasn't a priest. I know, but it's cool anyway. Caleb. All right, anyway. In their obedience in following this, there's some interesting things if you think about this. Again, Jericho, this fortified city, high city walls. The battle plan is to walk around the city one time. Okay, so the first time around the city, does anybody see a a flaw from that from a military standpoint? (laughs) I mean, you are completely vulnerable. They're, they, they have the high ground. They're on top of the wall. They I'm sure they're armed. And here we are walking around. doesn't say anything about carrying shields. They're, they're walking around the city walls, completely vulnerable. That takes, again, huge trust, not only in the plan, but in the protector. All right, Lord, we're going we're to trust. We're going to move forward with this. But also... And I, I don't think this is, I think this is part of one of the things that God is using in this, his whole strategic plan. They're going to do this for six days, and then on the seventh day, they're going to do it seven times. That's 13 laps around Jericho. You are going to get a completely comprehensive view of the impossibility of this task as you walk around the city time and time again. Probably on lap three or four, you're going you're to be thinking, there's not a crack in that wall anywhere. <laughs> and you're going to realize how big those walls are all the way around. This is impossible. <laughs> there's there's no way. I mean, that's that's kind of like your 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 football football season, all right? You're lining up to kick the, the winning field goal, and it's a it's a 50-yard field goal into the wind, and it's cold, and you're lining up, and you're about ready to kick it, and your coach calls a timeout to ice you. You already know it's almost impossible, but we're going to give you some more time to think about how impossible it is. <laughs> I I think I've shared this with you before. If I have, bear with me. I'll make it short, but... One one of the first opportunities I had when we were the ministry, the church was brand new. I think this was our second retreat that we had men's retreat, and it was set up that we had the our speaker, and our speaker was Don McClure. If you guys, Calvary Chapel, know Don McClure, he's been around, been part of Calvary Chapel since the beginning. He actually oversees Calvary Chapel Association now. I mean, Don McClure big name, great pastor, awesome, amazing teacher. He was our teacher for this retreat. And he came down after Saturday night to teach at the church service on Sunday morning, and I was gonna teach Sunday morning to finish and wrap up the retreat. Well, as the time went on, I felt like that iced kicker. I mean, but when I drove up to the retreat, I realized this is impossible. Who am I kidding? I I'm not a teacher. I do, I don't know what I'm doing with this, but I'm going to teach on Sunday morning. Okay. I already knew that I that this was this was way over my head. But then I listened to Don Teach Friday night and four times on Saturday. And and I was I I I I, I hate to admit this, but I was really kind of hoping he'd mess up sometimes. <laughs> but the he was it was so powerful I woke up on Sunday morning and I couldn't eat breakfast. And I go on a long walk through the woods and I have my Bible with me and I'm just Lord, I I I almost was praying I'd get lost. And somebody else would have to do it. And I'd say, Lord, I can't do this. I literally, I said that. I can't do this. I was so nervous. I was so scared. I said, Lord, I, I just I can't do this. And he so spoke to my heart and said, What is in your hands? Well, your word, Lord. And it just like, as clear as could be, it said, that's what Don had in his hands. Stick to that, and you're going to be fine. And it was was such a comfort. But God got me to that point where I, this is impossible. And I believe that's where he wanted to get every one of those Israelites to that point where this is impossible. Notice, too, he told them to be quiet. Don't say a word while you're going around. Now, (laughs) careful, I'm getting on thin ice here. For some of us, that was probably, hey, really? (laughs) Right on. For others, that would have been a lot harder, right? I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Some people (laughs) struggle with not saying things. But again, I, I see in that, too, that God continually, one, was to keep the focus, I believe, where the focus was supposed to be, and that's on, on the, the impossibility and the fact that if, if God doesn't come through in a huge way, we're in trouble. But also, what do they have a tendency to do when they start talking? The same thing we do. Are we there yet? You know, my feet hurt, you know? This is impossible. Did you see how tall that wall is? You know what I mean? What, the, just the complaining and going on. No, be quiet. Can you imagine what the people inside Jericho were thinking? You know, again, they're already shaking in their boots. They're already worried about what's coming. Then this battle plan that's going on, they're trying to figure out, okay, back to the drawing board. We were, we were all ready for the battering rams. Now what? But... Then the silence as it's going around. I think, again, in that time of just focused prayer, alone time with the Lord, even though you're marching with people, you're, you're quiet, you're seeing all of this. It, did, it does say, again, it mentions the ark throughout this, actually 11 times the ark is mentioned during that time again when when the impossibility of the of the task before them was there the fact that the ark is there and and drawing okay lord you're with us you're with us you're right there you're with us well 15 verse 15 then on the 7th day they rose early at the dawning of the day and marched around the city in the same manner 7 times only on that day they marched ar- around the city seven times. At the seventh time, when the priest blew the trumpet, Joshua said to the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city shall be under the ban, and it, it and all that is in it belongs to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot, and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But as for you, only keep yourselves from the things under the ban so that you do not covet them and take some of the things under the ban and make the camp of Israel accursed and bring trouble on it. But all the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall, be, they shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted, and the priests blew the trumpets. And when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell down flat. So that the people went into the city, every man straight ahead, and they took the city. They utterly destroyed every everything in the city, but man, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. Amazing, again this plan, but. When it happens and they are obedient with it, the walls come down. What brought the walls down? Hebrews tells us. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 30. Faith. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Now, does that give the Israelites reason to boast because of their great faith? Absolutely not. Again, and. God brought the walls down. But this is the great thing about God. It's all God. All of it is God. He could have done it by himself. He could have have sent an angel to do it. But this is, again, one of those amazing aspects about God is he allows us to participate in what he's doing. He allows us to play a part. He gives us the opportunity to, by faith, cooperate with what he's doing. 1 Corinthians 3.9 calls us co-laborers with God in the work that he's doing. That's, that's awesome. That's amazing. And here we, we see that. That it was by faith the walls came down. It was the power of God, yes, but they get to be a part of that by faith. Verse 20 and 21, I love this. It tells We get the big build-up, all of the ch- verses, explaining what's going to happen when it finally does, just two verses. Boom, I told you so. So what's going to happen? Verse 22, we see that the promise that was made to, to Rahab at, by the two spies is kept. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the harlot's house and bring the woman and all that she has out, out of there as you have sworn to her. And the, the, whoever's, whoever's in this room gets to, gets to come out. i wondering how full that room was. So the young men who were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brothers and all that she had. They also brought out all of her relatives and placed them outside the camp of Israel. They burned the city with fire and all that was in it. Only the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. However, Rahab the harlot and her father, and her father's household and all that she had, Joshua spared, and she has lived in the midst of Israel to this day, for she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. And as we talked back in chapter two, she ends up marrying a Jewish man, having children and through her lineage Christ is born I mean that's that that just again an amazing part of this whole story it's it's interesting too because there are there are things that have been discovered in Jericho and I don't want to go through it all now just for the sake of time but if you're interested in that kind of thing you can go look at this but as they've excavated this site they have found things that are that are that, that completely back up the biblical story. As a matter of fact, one of the archaeologists tried to almost basically hide information because it's so pointed to this being fulfilled that to try to change dates to say, oh, it couldn't possibly be this, but, but that's been proven to be wrong even in her own research. But one of the things that's, that's amazing with this, the, the two things, I'll just hit them really fast, but they found several massive jars full of grain that's been burnt and and in that the, the couple of things when normal battles would take place you would never find grain for one of two reasons one one of the ba- one of the main battle things especially with a city like jericho is we'll just starve you out you're in there with the gates closed we'll just sit out here and wait and you'd, they'd sit in there and eat all of the food and eventually starve and, and that's when they would take the take the city So there wouldn't be any food there. Or, if they knew that they were going to go into this battle or lose the battle, they would would destroy all the grain because we don't want to give the opposition this. So to find these massive amounts of these things full of grain show one of two things. One, it was harvest season. That's why they're full. And we know that because, again, remember back a couple of chapters ago, the Jordan River is running at flood stage during harvest. So... We know that, but then secondly, also that it was a very quick battle. So anyway, this is kind of cool. I thought. Yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was cool anyway. Maybe it's maybe it was, maybe it was the, the explanation. Read it. It's really cool. All right. <laughs> twenty six, verse twenty six. Then Joshua made. Them take an oath at the time saying, cursed before the Lord is the man who rises up and builds this city Jericho with the loss of his firstborn, he shall lay its foundation and with the loss of his youngest son, he shall set up its gates, a curse being placed on anyone who would rebuild the walls and try to rebuild this city and First Kings sixteen thirty four, that prophecy is fulfilled. Uh, man does this. The cost of two of his sons. So um, verse 27, so the Lord was with Joshua and his fame was in all of the land. The Lord was with Joshua and his fame was in all the land. Why was he, why was his fame there? Because just simply again, faith and obedience. The Lord was with him. He believed, followed and again, I, I see in that, and the, the great thing with that is that, guys, that's available to all of us. The Lord is with us. Through faith and obedience, we follow him. Nothing, nothing super special about Joshua, as we've discussed. It's just a faithful, obedient man. Well, chapter 7. Chapter 7 begins with an ominous word. But. But, as we've discussed often, if it says, you know, like it says in Ephesians, you know, but God, after it's talking about how horrible and dead we are in our sins, when it says but God, that's a good thing. Here, it's not. We're talking about a great victory that took place. They were obedient, they were faithful, they did what God said, but, but, Alan Redpath had this quote in his commentary on this. He said, A life of unbroken victory over sin is the purpose of God for every child of his redeemed by the blood of Christ. However, God does not make it impossible for his children to sin. He always makes it possible for them not to sin. But he does not make it impossible for them to sin. And and so coming off of this, this great victory, we see in chapter 7 a big, great defeat. Now, it's the only one that is that is recorded in the book of Joshua of any defeat that they faced. It's the only defeat recorded. And we're gonna take a look at this quickly and see the reasons for the defeat. And so that we can identify anything like that might be similar in our lives and remove them. So here, take chapter 7, verse 1. But the sons of Israel acted unfaithfully in regard to the things under the ban. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, from the tribe of Judah, took some of the things under the ban. Therefore, the anger of the Lord burned against the sons of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near beth east of Bethel, and said to them, go up and spy out the land. So the men, the men went up and spied, spied out Ai. They returned to Joshua and said to him, do not let all the people go up. Only two, 3,000 men need to go up to Ai. Do not make the people toil up there, for, for they are few. So about 3,000 men from the people went up there, But they fled from the men of Ai, and the men of Ai struck down about 36 of their men and pursued them from the gate as far as Sherabim, and struck them down on the descent. So the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Again, we talked as we started Joshua, and we've mentioned a couple of times through our study of this. These things are recorded for us, remember, as an example for us, for our instruction. And we see here right away, we see two things first, and then we'll get to the third, of of the defeat. What caused this? Well, first of all, we see overconfidence or or self-confidence. Joshua sends two men to go and spy it out, and they come back and they say, man, after what we just did, we only need to send a couple thousand guys up there. Don't need to send everybody. Just send just send a few guys up there. They're small. There's there's only a few. How how quickly it appears they forgot that it was all God that did it before. It wasn't their strength. It wasn't their power. It was God's power. And 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 we need to we need to be careful because because we need to realize that 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 in our own flesh. When it comes to battling sin in our own flesh, there's no good thing. I mean, it's we can't do this on our own. We need to, as as Paul said, take heed lest ye fall. Don't get cocky. Always stay on the, uh, uh, in the understanding that it's not, we don't defeat sin in our life because of anything that is inherently in us. what does, what does Paul say? When does he say he's strong? When he's weak. And when he realizes he's weak, when he realizes he is completely dependent on God. So they're they're overconfident. They they, they have a victory, and on the heels of that victory comes a great defeat. Often people talk about that. That's one of the most vulnerable times we have is after a great victory. We're, We're vulnerable for a defeat. Peter, you know, when he's when he when one of the greatest things that was ever revealed to him, and again, not in his own, but but when when the, the discussion was happening, Caesarea Philippi, Jesus said, Who do men say that I am? And then who do you say that I am? And, and Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar Jonah, because you are a very intelligent man. <laughs> no. He said, man did not reveal that to you. That came from God. You're not a, you're, you are blessed, Simon, not because you're smart. You're blessed because God told you that. Do you know it's just a few verses later, Jesus is speaking about his upcoming death and his necessity for that, and Peter pipes up and says, never, never. And what does Jesus say to him there? Get behind me, Satan. Peter now in his own puffed up self. Oh, never, never. Not listening to again the revelation now from God, speaking to him that this must take place. Again, I why do I pick on Peter? Because I'm so like him. And and we all can be getting cocky, as as our friends here do. But notice, it's not just self-confidence. Self-confidence stems from the fact that that they're not praying. They didn't go to the Lord and seek his counsel in this at all. Joshua didn't say, Lord, do you want us to go up and scout out I? Do you want us to go check this out? Because if he did, God would have said, no, there's something you need to deal with first. There's, there's, There's a problem. So we see prayerlessness or... Or, perhaps more in line, because all of us would, if we were asked, do, are you, do, are you, do you pray regularly? Most of us would probably say yes. Not prayerlessness, but praying with a motive. Praying with an agenda. Praying with, all right, Lord, I want to move forward in this. I want to have victory in this. Is there anything that I need to deal with in my life except this? Having, have, you know, I, I got these little things that I, I'm, 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 I'm okay with. You and I are all right here, Lord. Or, you know, this isn't that big of a deal. Anything else that we need to deal with? Perhaps. Because ultimately the reason for their defeat is given to us in verse 1, that the sons of Israel acted unfaithfully. That, that term, acted unfaithfully, means deliberate disobedience. This wasn't a, a, a boo-boo. This was a deliberate act of disobedience. And, and we see that, again, this is going to be revealed as we now very quickly have to move through this. Verse, verse 6. Verse 6 says, Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening, both he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why did you ever bring this people over the Jordan, only to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us, if we had only been willing to dwell beyond the Jordan? O Lord, what can can I say since Israel has turned her back before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it, and they will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. What will you do for your great name? First of all, failure and defeat is never God's fault. And again, not seeking the Lord for the, the reason behind it, Joshua is just stepping right out here and basically saying, Lord, why would you do this? And, and going back to that, we could, have, we could why didn't you just leave us over on the other side of the Jordan? Why didn't we just stay over there? It's never, it's never God's fault. There, if there is a failure, if there is something that we're running up against, if there is, there is, we're not having success in a certain area, there's, there's probably a hidden reason for it. I'm going to say there is. <laughs> and we need to seek the Lord in it. And again, with, a, with that prayerful heart that says, whatever it is, Lord, I want to know. And, I'll, and, and we're going to deal with that. Reveal that to me, because God wants to. God wants us to have success. God wants us to have everything, everything that this abundant life is victorious Christian living that we can have as Christians. He wants all of that, but we need to be willing. Again, no, 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 no confidence in our flesh, prayerfully seeking the Lord and willing to deal with whatever it is, because God says this. He goes, so the Lord said to Joshua, rise up. Why is it that you have fallen on your face? Basically, he's saying, get up and deal with the problem. Because I'm going to tell you what it is now. Now that your heart's right and you're willing to, I'm going to tell you. Israel has sinned. They have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. And they have taken some of the things under the ban, and they have stolen and deceived. Moreover, they have also put them among their own things. Therefore, the sons of Israel cannot stand before their enemies... They will turn their backs before their enemies, for they will have, been, have become accursed. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy the things under the ban from your midst. Rise up, consecrate the people, and say, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus the Lord, the God of Israel, has said, There are things under the ban in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you have removed the things under the ban from your midst. In the morning... Then you shall come near by your tribes. And it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes by lot shall come near by families. And the family which the Lord takes shall come near by households. And the household which the Lord takes shall come near man by man. It shall be that the one who has taken the things under the ban shall be burned with fire, he and all that belongs to him, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has committed a disgraceful thing in Israel. Lord reveals to him what the situation is there is sin in the camp and it tell and it does say that, that there is a man who has done this but because of that there are far reaching effects within the the entire the entire nation we'll touch on that more in a moment but verse 16 then says again now Joshua in obedience so Joshua arose early in the morning and brought Israel near tribe by tribe of Judah I'm sorry, tribe by tribe, the tribe of Judah was taken. He brought the family of Judah near, and he took the family of the Zeherites, and he brought the family of the Zerahites near man by man, and Zabdi was taken. He brought the household near, and man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, from the tribe of Judah, was taken. Verse 16 says, Joshua rose early in the morning, probably I would imagine Joshua had a horrible night's sleep. Probably, probably didn't sleep hardly at all. But if there's one man who slept less, it's Achan. <laughs> you have to you have to No, he, he hears all of this coming down, and then all of a sudden, wow. I, my, my sin has found me out. Yes, and goes through the process, and Achan is chosen. Verse 19. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, I implore you, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and give praise to him, and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. So Achan answered Joshua and said, Truly I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel, and this is what I did. When I saw among the spoil of the be- a-, a beautiful mantle, or a- like a robe, from-, from Shinar, and 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold, 50 shekels in weight, then I coveted them, and I took them, and behold, they are concealed in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath it. Confronted with this, Achan confesses. We see in verse 21 that the progression of sin. And in this again, we need to we need to pay attention to this because this is the progression that of, of most sin. First of all, notice he says, I saw it. I saw it. Is seeing it a sin? No. Is being tempted a sin? No. But going on to the next step without dealing with it there, seeing it there, he knew it was wrong when he saw it. He knew that that is the stuff that Joshua said is under the ban. I can't take that. But it's the next part, as you move along that progression, notice then it says, I coveted them. I desired to have them for myself. I I coveted that, and they're moving into it. But still, even then, if at that point would have been felt the conviction and turned away from it, everything would have been fine. But instead, he goes to the next step, and he says, I took it. I took it. But then, after that, instead of confessing it, putting it away, right away, dealing with it, getting back to camp. Joshua, I've done a horrible thing. God, st- the next step is concealing it, covering it up. We see that through, and there's multitudes of examples. I'll uh, give one more quick one just for the sake of time. But David, he saw, the fact that he saw Bathsheba taking a bath on top of her, was, he, was that a sin? No, if he'd have turned and run right away. But he didn't. He went to the next step. He coveted her. And then he went and, and, and took her. And then he covered up the sin. And we, we see this progression here. And again, I, I guess my, my point that I want to make is, guys, we need to, if we're going to have this victorious life, we need to deal with the things that we've been talking about. We need to do away with all sense of pride. We need to, we need to be prayer, be in prayer. And we need to identify sin right away and turn from it. Verse 22, so Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and behold, it was concealed in his tent with the silver underneath it. They found what he said. They took it from inside the tent and brought them to Joshua and all the sons of Israel and they poured out them before the Lord. Here's the evidence. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the mantle and the bar of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that belonged to him, and they brought them up to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. And all Israel stoned them with stones, and they burned them with fire, and after they had stoned them with stones, they raised over him a great heap of stones that stands to this day. And the Lord turned back the fierceness of his anger before the name of that place has been called the valley of Achor to this day. People look at this, this verse and these, this section here, and a couple of pe- people have, have gotten very upset about, you know, why would the whole family be punished because of this sin? Well, if they were innocent, they wouldn't be, number one. There's two, two kind of schools of thought on this. I'll tell you the, the, the first one is is that they, that they are because of the verbiage that is there, the children and that are listed there, they were they were witnesses, they weren't the ones that actually they weren't stoned with that. It was him and his possessions and his animals and that type of stuff. that, that was. Also the other other possibility is they were adults. they're not little children. they're adults, and they were in on it. But either way, God is just, God is righteous, God is holy and the 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 things that that we need to again grab a hold of and take away from this is again we this this was under the period of the law and it was clearly stated that that this would be the punishment for that we are under grace praise the lord jesus that he took our punishment for our sin but The bigger issue in all of this, for for us to take away from this, is if we want to have the full, abundant life that the Lord desires for us to have, victorious living in Christ, we cannot have willful disobedience in our life. It needs to be dealt with. It needs to be dealt with completely, it needs to be dealt with radically. We, we, it's, John says, 1 John 1, 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him, yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. You can't do it both ways. But again, praise the Lord, 1 John 1, 9, a couple of verses later, if we confess our sin, he is faithful, forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful. If you have something in your life that the Lord is speaking to you now, and you're honest enough to say, Lord, if there's anything, show it to me, and he's showing it to you, deal with it right here, right now. Get right with God tonight. He has so much more that he wants to bless you with and use you in, but he can't if we are walking in willful disobedience. One last thought. Chapter 8 reveals to us, it says, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord God said to Joshua, Do not fear or be dismayed. Take all of the people of war with you and arise and go up to I. See, I've given them into your hand, the king of I, his people, his city, and his land. God is a God of second chances. Get things right, and there's still victory there. The enemy right now is whispering to you, if you're the one that I'm speaking with or one of them that I'm speaking to right now, he's telling you, you've already blown it. All of that sin, he doesn't know how bad it is. He doesn't know how long it's been. He doesn't know how deep it is. Jesus does, he paid for it all. He died on the cross to cover it all. It's all forgiven. If you will simply confess it, turn from it tonight, you can have victory right here, right here. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for, again, the lessons that you give us in your word. Lord, it is our desire to walk in obedience, to have the faith to march around a fortified city until you say shout, and to watch you work. Lord, we pray that by faith and obedience, strongholds would be torn down. That we would have the victory that you desire for us to have. And Lord, if there are areas in our life, things that are displeasing to you, Lord, we come to you right now with a heart that is open and saying, Lord, reveal that to us. Reveal those things to us that we have convinced ourselves are okay. That that we have convinced that, that that we're just fine in, but, Lord, that are grieving you. Show that to us. Lord, right here, we confess it now as sin. We turn from it. We turn to you. Lord, we say, have your way in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a good rest of the week.